Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back and enjoy the message. Isaiah 43, and verse 18, and verse 19, and the Bible says this. And guys, if I could get a clock to somewhere, or is it going to come up later? Okay, I just want to make sure I don't preach till like 2 p.m. Okay. The Bible says this, forget the former things. This is God speaking to his people. He's speaking to you, he's speaking to me. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to just talk to you for a few minutes from the subject, a new thing. A new thing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are truly the God of new beginnings. And I pray in the name of Jesus, no matter the season we're currently in, I thank you that you have more for us. You have better for us. Lord, that we would truly see Psalm 27 in our lives, that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Can I get a big, loud amen, everybody? Um, this is such a powerful scripture, and if you were raised in church, it's probably a familiar scripture. If, you, if you're not from a church background, this is one of those scriptures that you throw on your refrigerator, put it on your home screen of your phone, and it's, it's just one of those scriptures that is always encouraging and will always be there to lift you up. And I love how the scripture starts. It says, forget the former things. I want to break this kind of down into three points. I want to tell you the first thing that God will allow us to do is he will give us the grace to forget. The grace to forget. The grace to forget. I'll never forget driving into Starbucks one morning, and I was just, uh, by the way, if you need morning coffee and you have to go to Starbucks, it's already a bad day, okay? But that was all that was available on this day. And so I'm driving into Starbucks, and I'm getting my coffee, and uh, when, when I pull into the front, and I'm about to pull in, um, there is a, a car there, and he's taken up two spots, but he didn't like double park on accident. I think there's a, probably a little grace for that. He double parked on purpose, kind of sideways in. Y'all know what I'm saying? And immediately I go, okay, the Lord's going to work on my sanctification this morning. Like we're going to, there, there's still some work to be done in my life. All right. So, so I'm kind of frustrated. And then I thought, you know what, if it was a Bentley or a Maserati or a G-Wagon, I'd give him grace. I ain't going to hate on the player. But it was like a 1987 Camaro. Like, like old, but not old enough to be vintage. You all know what I'm saying? Just bad. Like you could imagine the electric windows, like y'all, any old saints, and y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So, so that's kind of where, that's kind of where the thinking was, and it was kind of rusty and kind of whatever. And there was a guy, and he's leaning up against his Camaro with like a Trenta Frappuccino, right? Like just the biggest thing you could ever. It was like a unicorn frap, I think. And so. And he's just kind of there, you know, two hands because it's so big. And he's literally like trying to pick up on women. So he's leaning up on his car. This is a bad day, okay? It's just 7 a.m. And he's leaning up on his car and his women are coming in. He's like, hey, how are you doing, ladies? Getting your morning Joe? It's like, yeah, what else are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I just kind of saw him and walked in. And here was my thought. My thought was, I bet this guy was awesome in high school, 
Like if I could, if I could describe him for you, he was like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Y'all remember? <laughs> it was 2017, but he wasn't in 2017. Uh, his body was in 2017, but his mind was still in like 1987. Um, he, he was he was here, but he wasn't totally here. He he had been robbed somewhere along the way of his present and of his future, and I, I believe somewhere along the way he just he just remembered how good it was, and he forgot to move forward. Sadly, I think a lot of us live that way. It's 2017 today, but maybe your heart's still in 2005. Maybe your mind is still in a memory of 2012. Maybe you're still bound to something that happened. And it may not be bad. It may be good. See, this is the amazing thing about Isaiah 43, is it's not just the bad things, because I think we all kind of get with that. Like, okay, forget the former. I'm going to move forward. I'm, I'm moving on from my past. And I, I think that's great. But really, the context of Isaiah 43 is God takes the people of Israel on a history lesson. He goes, remember when I did this? And remember when I did this? And remember how I did this? And remember how we did this? And all these miracles, all these miracles. He builds the faith of his people, and he goes, okay, now nothing that I've done will compare to what I'm about to do. Forget the former. See, this is we have to be so careful of our past, because good or bad, your past can steal your future. I will not let a past defeat condemn me, but I also cannot let a past victory limit me. Because if I'm not careful, I will get stuck in the good old days. I will convince myself that was as good as it could have ever been. I'll convince myself that that was the most money I would ever make, or that was the happiest our marriage could have ever been, or that's, that's, the, that's the best my kids would have ever behaved, or that's, that's as good as life would have ever been. And the enemy wants to stop you in your past. He wants to keep you there, where, where you lose hope for the future, you lose hope for the promise, you lose hope for where you're going because the enemy has convinced you that's as good as it's going to get, or you made so many mistakes you'll never be able to move forward. But friend, I just want to tell you, God says, I can give you the grace to forget and I can give you the grace to move forward. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Come on. God says, if you think it was good, it can get gooder. You only learn that word when you have a GED like me, okay? You don't, you don't learn that in college, okay? You don't learn that at KU. You learn that at a GED where you take math three times. Amen. God says, you think it was good, it can get better. Was it bad? It can get better. No matter your past, you don't have to live as a prisoner to your past. This word forget, to forget the former, literally is the Hebrew word zakar. This word means to stop mentioning. Wow. To stop listening to. Okay, hear me friend, your past has a voice and it's loud. And the Bible says, God says, you don't have to listen to the past. Here's another word for zakar. It means to protect. Some of us cannot move forward from our past because we're still protecting our past, listening to our past, mentioning our past. Do y'all know that person that all they do is talk about the past? And some of them are victims and others are, are caught in the glory days of long, long ago. 
I remember when music was music. Oh, stop it. Then download a radio station from the 80s, okay, and enjoy yourself like it's 2017. Life is good, okay? I remember when sports were sports. Well, then download ESPN Classics and watch those, okay? But, like, we can get so stuck. And all we do is mention the past, listen to the past, and protect the past. You got to be careful because this word goes on to say, uh, God says, and do not dwell, do not dwell on the past, do not dwell on the former things. This word dwell means to look at, to pay attention to, or to possess. Think about that. You, friend, you, you can only drive for so long only using your rearview mirror. Eventually, you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. But how many Christians do we have that are looking back but trying to move forward? And it, and it might work for a little while, but eventually, someone's going to get hurt. God says, stop stop looking that way. Stop dwelling on that. Stop possessing that. I, I would submit this to you, that if you possess your past, you're going to be possessed by your past. And we got to be careful of this because God has something better for us. I'll never forget, I was golfing with a friend recently, and he began to kind of open up about his marriage, and he kind of started complaining about his wife and some issues that they were having. And I, I kind of immediately got frustrated because I went, bro, I, I know your wife. First of all, she loves you. It's a miracle. And all the men said amen because our wives have heard us and smelt us in the morning. And thank you, Jesus, for some reason they love us, okay? And so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, she loves you. You're ugly. She's beautiful. This is a miracle, you know? I'm like, she loves you. She loves the Lord. She loves the church. She, she's beautiful. You're disgusting. You know, I mean, like, she loves your kids. They, they were both on their second marriage. She loves your kids. What, what are you doing? What, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I guess I just miss my ex-wife. Ooh, I heard all the claws just come out, all the ladies. Like, it sounded like Wolverine in here. Just <laughs> Now, now, y'all got a little frustrated with that. I got really frustrated with that because I've heard about his ex-wife. Okay? Like, just read the accounts of Jezebel in the Old Testament. That is his ex-wife. I'm like, bro, this chick was evil. This woman literally put you through a country song. She stole your truck and your house. She took your dog. She don't even like dogs. She took your money. She don't like your kids. I mean, she left you for another guy. What are you thinking? I, I mean, I just start walking through. I go, what are you thinking? And he goes, I know, but, but, but man, could she cook? <laughs> Pastoring, it's, it's stranger than fiction, okay? And, and here's, here's what I learned really quickly. He, he was still protecting his past, listening to his past. And his past was robbing him of this incredible blessing that was right in front of him. Because what the enemy will do is he will try to sugarcoat your past so that it looks better, so that your memories are sweeter than they really were. And before you know it, you're protecting something that you were never called to protect and you're trying to justify something that you were never called to justify. And instead of moving forward and receiving the blessings that are all around you, we end up convincing ourselves that it was better then. 
Friend, your past is a thief. And I want to say this. When God says forget, he's not saying to physically remove it from your memory. That's not what it is. But, But here's what it is. To forget the past means that my past is no longer the emotional anchor in which I make decisions. Like I can't, I can't physically forget the past, but when I think about it, it doesn't have to hurt like it hurt. I can think about that person and I don't have to get a knot in my stomach. I can think about my enemy and pray blessings on them. I can get to the point where I still have scars, but I am healed. I remember it, but I'm not bound to it. My past is no longer my master. It's a part of my story, but it's not my whole story. It's a chapter in my book, but it's not my whole book. It's a part of my life. It's a part of my testimony, but it isn't going to lead every decision that I'm about to make. Maybe you had a bad business deal. And the enemy wants to stop you from ever taking another step of faith. You had a bad relationship and the enemy wants to keep you isolated. You had a tough go-round and the enemy wants to keep you from ever walking into your future. Friend, I just want to tell you, God says you can forget that. I want to ask you a few questions. What do you need to forget? Who do you need to stop protecting? What voices do you need to stop listening to? What is in your possession that you need to let go of? Friend, God has a future for you. But it means that you may not be able to take some of what you were into where you're going. Number two. Number one, God will give you the grace to forget. Number two, God will give you the power to embrace. God will give you the power to embrace. And here's what will give you the power to embrace. Your present And the process. Everyone out loud say the process. Ooh, that's not a good word. We don't like that word. In in church, we like miracle. We don't like process. (laughs) We like breakthrough. We don't like process. (laughs) We like windows of heaven opening, but we don't like process. But friend, the reality is about 99% of your Christian life is process with a few miracles sprinkled in. God said it this way, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. Now, this word make, I think we think like, boom, God's going to, boom, there's an interstate in the wilderness. Boom, there's a stream in the wilderness. Miracle, breakthrough, signs and wonders, hallelujah. But in reality, this word make is the Hebrew word siyum, and it means to put my hands on or to establish to fashion, to transform, to work on. (laughs) You know, I think we're all okay with God working on our situation. We're just not very comfortable with God working on us. But God said in order to see that way made in your life, and in order to see those springs in the wilderness made in your life, I'm going to have to work on you. I'm going to have to place my hands on you. I'm going to, like the potter in the clay, I'm going to transform you. This takes agreement. So see, God wants to make a way for us, but he's going to really make a way with us. It's a partnership word. It's an intimacy word. It's not a miracle word, but rather it's a process word. God says, we're going to go on a journey 
together. And we're going to build a road together. And we're going to dig some wells together. And if you'll go on a journey with me, whenever you get to the final place, whenever you see the manifestation, you're going to be so grateful for it because your hand was in it. See, when, when, when Justin moved here six, seven years ago, it started with a handful of people, and now we see what we have today with three services, two locations. He's way more grateful for it than if it just fell in his lap. Because him and God have been making a way. They, they've, been, they've been in partnership together. And now some of you, you've been serving the whole time. Some of you have been, have been with them since the beginning. And you're so grateful to see how far the Lord has taken the church. Why? Because, because you've been in this. <laughs> you've been setting up. You've been tearing down. You've been believing God. When pastor talks about, we're going to find a location, you're like, ah, because you've been the one here at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., making it happen. Believe in God, praying the prayer, sowing seed. So, so I'm, not, I'm not afraid of process because process makes me grateful. Hmm. There's this amazing scripture, Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, God, teach me to number my days. Now, I, I kind of grew up in a, in a thought that said, Lord, teach me that life is short and I better make it count. Now, really this word number, it, it's, it's not that. When it says, teach me to number my days, David literally in the Hebrew language said, teach me to manah my days. And this word manah means to appoint my days, assign my days, prepare my days, set my days, weigh out my days. Hear me, friend. If you don't appoint your days, someone else will appoint your days. If you don't set the values of your family, culture will set the values of your family. If you don't appoint the morals in your house, TV, social media, and culture will appoint the morals in your home. See, we have to set. We have to mana. We have to number our days because if we don't do it, someone who doesn't love you will do it. Dads, this is why we must be men of God and the head of our house because if we're not, culture will come in and lead our home. Culture will tell us what to do and what not to do. See, in order for me to have the life I want to have and enter into the future I want to have, I'm going to have to enter into the process God has for me. And taking responsibility has never been easy. When Adam sinned, what did he do? He didn't go, God, I blew it, my bad. No, he said, it's the woman. Read your Bible. And then Eve wasn't like, I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord. I just, I repent. Forgive me. No, she went, it's the devil. Because responsibility has never been easy. But the life you want, <laughs> it's going to take responsibility. The financial future you want, it's going to take responsibility. I, I'm going to give you a, a statement that I wish I, I wasn't giving you on, on our first, this is like the first time we've ever met, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like step on your toes, okay? But we're just going, we're just going there. Here, here's the statement. Everything we want in life is usually on the other side of a painful decision. Hello. <laughs> Everything we want in life is usually on the other side of a painful decision. 
So the life I want is going to take some painful process now to get me there. Financially, uh, in your health, in your relationships, in any area of your life, it's gonna. I'm gonna have to make some painful decisions today that are that are gonna set me up for an incredible future. Look at this, Lamentations chapter three, verse twenty-seven. It is good for a young man to carry his yoke in his youth. That's in your Bible. Lamentations is a book in your Bible. Did you all know that? <laughs> Think about what he says. It is good. For a man to carry his yoke in his youth. Well, Jabin, when's my youth? Your youth is today because you're going to be older tomorrow. So whether you're 50 or whether you're 15 or whether you're 75, you're younger today than you'll be tomorrow. I'm a scientist. Thank you very much. I was very smart. I learned that one in GED as well. You, you can make decisions right now in your youth that your future self will be grateful for. But they're going to be tough decisions. They're not going to be easy decisions. It's going to hurt today, but you're going to be grateful for it tomorrow. So maybe you want to set your family up for financial success. Maybe that means that you don't get to drive the exact car you want to drive today. But you're setting your family up for future prosperity. So I know you want to drive that BMW today, and I know it's fire, and I know it's black on black, and I know it has more horsepower than all the horses in Kansas, but maybe you don't need an $800 lease right now because you're setting up blessing for your kids. So right now, Dad, you got to drive a dad vehicle. It's called a minivan. (laughs) Maybe right now you don't need a BMW. Maybe you need a KIA. Have you ever heard of one of those? Kia. And I know it might be a little humble pie, but maybe that $99 payment's really going to help your family. And when people ask you, what do you drive? Just don't say Kia. Just say, yeah, I'm driving this new uh, Asian vehicle. It's called a Kaya. Get at my level. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard of that. I know. How much does it cost? You're not ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it might hurt a little bit today, but you might be setting up your kids for a greater education and for greater prosperity. So I might have to make some painful decisions today. You know, I, I remember talking with a guy and he goes, Jabin, I love what you're saying about tithing. Sounds great. Windows of heaven, the whole thing, awesome. But I can't afford it. And I went, okay. And he goes, yeah, I just got, got way too many bills. I said, well, do you want to like look at your finances and see if maybe we could afford to tithe? And he goes, sure. I mean, we could try, but there's no way. That's okay. So right off the bat, we found out that every morning he was going to Starbucks and he was getting a coffee, a Danish, and a breakfast sandwich. Super healthy. You know what I'm saying? And so five, five, five. So he was spending 15 bucks a morning times 30. I don't know what that is because, again, it took me three times to pass math in GED, but basically a lot of money, over $300, right? I'm like, that's at least $40 a month, right? No, no, so $450. So I said, well, we could get rid of that. He goes, well, what do I do for breakfast? It's the most important meal of the day. I said, you go buy a Keurig. And he about had a heart attack. And then I went, and then you go to Costco, and you buy Jimmy Dean's breakfast sandwiches. And that's how you live. And then he was spending $10 a day on lunch, another $300. So just in breakfast and lunch, I said, we can save you $750 a month. 
And then I said, we're going to need to get rid of that car. We're going to need to go to a cheaper car. He said, no, this is my baby. This is my pride and joy. Uh, then he had like 7,000 channels on cable. You all know what I'm saying? Like half of them are in Korean. He doesn't even, you know, he's like, I'm going to learn another language, you know. Before we knew it, before we knew it, I mean, literally in minutes, we had taken, I had found $2,000 in his monthly budget that we could get rid of, that he could not only tithe, he could save, but it was going to hurt. We got to make those decisions. But friend, the future I want might take a very painful decision today. The life I want comes with work. The dream is free but the hustle is sold separately. <laughs> the dream is free, but the hustle sold separately. I'm just telling you, friend, God has an incredible future for you, but we're going to have to embrace the process. We just ask you to think about this, pray about this, talk to your wife about this, talk to your husband about this. What painful decisions can you make today that your future self will thank you for. I'll end with this one story before we go on to our last point. Uh, I recently saw a friend that I haven't seen in over a year, and they had lost 60 pounds. And I'm like, oh, my God, you look incredible. You know, I'm just, like, blown away. So I'm like, I, I'm asking them what they did, but I really don't want to know what they did. I'm hoping for, like, a, a miracle drug. You know what I'm saying, right? So I'm like, what did you do? How'd you lose the weight? And I want them to go, I took one pill. I woke up the next morning and I had a six pack. You all know what I'm saying, right? Like that's what I wanted. Is it only me? Okay, it's only me, right? And they go, yeah, you know, just started eating a lot of, lot of vegetables, cut the carbs, cut the white sugar, got a lot of lean protein in me, a lot of water. Yeah, yeah, but what'd you do? <laughs> Yeah, you know, kind of started going to the gym three, four times a week, cut the carbs, cut the white sugar, a lot of vegetables, a lot of lean protein. Yeah, but did you get lap band surgery? No, you know, just lean, some lean protein and some veg, cut the carbs, cut the white sugar, a lot of water, working out three, four times. But what diet tea are you drinking? No, you know, I just got, I wanted a quick fix. But they've been in a year of process. But friend, think about that. What could your finances look like in just a year? What, what, how could you feel physically in just a year? Where could your marriage be with just a year? Just a year of counseling. Well, we tried counseling. You don't try counseling. You go to counseling. Mary, let me, let me talk to you guys real quick. You don't try counseling. That's like saying, well, I tried a doctor one time, but I got a cold again. No, you go to the doctor when you got a cold or when you got the flu or whatever. And you go to counseling when your marriage has a bug. You don't try it once. Well, we tried it. It didn't work. No, no, no. You go back. Where could your marriage be? Where could your kids be? Where could your life be? Where could your finances be? If you would embrace the process. Last point, and the keys can come up. The international sign that church is almost over, okay? Hallelujah for the keyboard player. God says, I'm going to do a new thing, and I want to give you your third point. The, the third point is this. God wants to give you the courage to dream. The courage to dream. The courage to dream. God said, I will do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm going to do a new thing in your life. Do you not perceive it? I, I want you to hear this. God said, I'm going to do a new thing. 
not, I'm going to do an old thing again. You know, the reason we don't perceive the new thing is because we're looking for the old thing again. So we're waiting on the old thing kind of repackaged, remodeled. And we cannot perceive, we cannot see, we cannot step into what God has for us today because we're just looking for yesterday again. There's this amazing passage of Scripture where Joshua is about to enter the promised land. Now, now you got to know this. This is Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. Joshua had been to the promised land because he went and spied it out with Caleb. He had already been. But God said, Joshua, this time when you go in, You've never gone this way before. Wow. See, God has a new thing for you. And it may look radically different than the old thing. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the new thing because we're looking for the old thing. But God said, you've never gone this way before. You've never walked in this before. Not not what it should have been. Not what your life could have been. Not what your life might have been if you wouldn't have made those mistakes. No, no, no. A new thing for right now. Oh, this is good news. But friend, it's going to take faith. It's going to take you looking for the new thing when you want to walk back to the old thing. So see, maybe if you're married in here, it's not, it's not getting the marriage you should have had if you would have never made those mistakes. Or the marriage we could have had if we wouldn't have filed bankruptcy. Or the marriage we, we might have had if I wouldn't have told that lie. No, no, no. We can't change the past and it happened. So it's, it's not that we're looking for the second chance or that we're looking for what we could have had, we're actually embracing what God has for us right here, right now. With our scars, and with our sins, and with our baggage, and with our mistakes, and with our issues. So so I can't change the past, but I can believe God for a new thing. I can't change what I did, but I can believe God for a new thing. Now, I might have to walk into this season with a few more scars than I should have had and a few more mistakes than I should have had. and I might be carrying a few more things than I thought I was going to carry. But God says, I still have a new thing for you. I still have a story for you. I still have a future for you. I still have a life for you. And it may not be perfect, but it's beautiful. It, It may not be perfect, but it's brand new. It may not be what it could have been, Rather, it's what it can be right now. Oh, man, this is awesome. See, many times we're looking for a second chance. But I believe this is where condemnation is birthed. This is where shame can take root and destroy destroy our hope. Because, Because we're looking for a second chance, but God is promising a new thing. See, I want to submit something to you. I... And I had to think really hard about this thought. I don't really believe that God is a God of second chances. Like, I think that's an okay statement. I think you can say it. I think it's, it's fine. 
But I think more than God being a God of second chances, I believe God is a God of new beginnings. Because I may not get a second chance, but I can have a new beginning. I have a a friend who lost, tragically, tragically, tragically lost his daughter. She was an awesome woman of God. She was a missionary. She was 22 years old, giving her whole life to the gospel. And one night, driving home from church, she fell asleep at the wheel, drove right into a tree, and and the doctors uh, said she died at impact. Her whole life in front of her, she died. And that, that man and, and his wife, they, they've grieved and they've grieved and they've grieved and they've grieved and they've grieved. But when they had the funeral, they decided to celebrate her life. And that day he preached the gospel and he talked about how she gave her whole life to Jesus and gave every part of her life to Jesus. And literally hundreds of people that day got saved at the funeral. They've recorded that funeral, and now they give it to other grieving parents who have lost children. Sadly, in this life, he's not going to see her again. So I want you to, he's not going to get a second chance. But God has given him a new beginning. And now he tells that story. He gets to his daughter is still preaching and living even though she's now in heaven. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not making light of it. I'm saying, I'm saying God can still use your story. I have another friend who was going pro football. He was a college star and everything was working out in his favor. And One day he blew his ACL. And he tried to recover and he tried to recover and he tried to recover Sadly, he got slower and the new guys got faster. And after a few years of trying and trying and trying, he finally had to give up on his dream of going to the NFL. You know, he could have lived the rest of his life in a lazy boy screaming at the TV saying, that should have been me. And you know what? He would have had every right. But instead, he decided, okay, maybe I'm not going to get a second chance at playing. But I still love the game. And I can still help people. And I can still use my gift of, of athletics and, and sports. So he's now a college football coach. And he's raising up young men and he's teaching them about integrity. And he's teaching them about what to do when they're at the top and what to do when they're at the bottom. See, he, he, didn't, he didn't quite get a second chance, but he did get a new beginning. Friend, God will give you a new beginning, but can you perceive it? This word perceive doesn't just mean to see it. It actually means to confess it. Super awkward, but maybe on your drive to work tomorrow, instead of just turning on the news, we already know what it's going to say, right? If you're a liberal, you know what it's going to say, and if you're a conservative, you know what it's going to say. So you don't need to listen to the news tomorrow morning. Why don't you get a little praise and worship going? And on your drive to, to work tomorrow, I know it might be a little awkward, just start declaring, Lord, I thank you. You've got something new for me. 
You've got something new for my family. Lord, I thank you today. You're the God of new beginnings. Lord, I thank you today that you're making a way in the wilderness. Lord, I thank you today that I'm moving, I'm moving forward from my past and I'm walking into everything you have for me. God, I declare you're doing a new thing. And God says, if you can say it, I can do it. A new thing.